for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support means we get to make these. And in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including ad free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and a cubic boatload of bonus content. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got season one of Feeling This, where Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talk about the feelings behind video games. And season two has just begun two episodes in. Oh boy, are they good. Plus you've got the Wednesday paid DLC program where Christian and I are joined by Lana Bashinsky talking about, oh my goodness, Anything that comes up, it's a mess, and it's delightful. You should check it out on Wednesdays. Plus, you get the audio podcast version of the DLC Book Club, talking about books, where Lana and I are going through the Malazan Books of the Fallen. We got spoiler chats. I I challenge you to get through all the bonus content that you find at patreon.com slash Pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who does not yet have a sunburn, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello and happy Christmas of the summer, everybody. Um, I'm <laughs> still holding you it down. Say it? Fourth of July is summer's Christmas. It is just as big in our house. We put up a big Fourth of July tree. Mm. Um, I keep Jesus in the Fourth of July, everybody. All right. I keep, okay. I keep Christ in the Fourth of July, and we hang our uh, <laughs> our fireworks by the chimney. Poorly thought out, but we really just carry it over. Uh, you really, uh, you're really taking this bit far, Christian. You're really going with it. Hey, it's never too far till the house burns down, and then, and only then, have you celebrated summer Christmas. Well, we uh, we appreciate anybody hanging out with us uh, on the Fourth of July weekend here in the United States. Be safe. Keep all your fingers. You need them for button mm-hmm. pressing. Very important, ladies and gentlemen. Safety tip. Uh, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about <laughs> every single week. The last few weeks, we've, we've mentioned how much there is to get through and you'd think there'd be a respite. What with it being a holiday week, holiday weekend, you'd be wrong. There's tons to get through. We got great games. We got tons of news to get through and we have an awesome guest to do that with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm so excited because DLC stands for developers who are littler by comparison because from the indie (laughs) informer we have editor-in-chief 
Jill Grote with us for the first time. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm good. That was a lot going on there. I don't know where to jump in. Christmas in July, uh, something about trees and explosions and uh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> ignore most of what he says. I don't. Uh, but yes, there's a lot of shouting at the beginning of the show. I'll give you that as well. But thank you for being here. Um, we were just talking in the last couple of weeks about um, indie games in particular and trying to keep a spotlight on them. You're here on a great week because we had a, a showcase of one of our favorite indie Wonderful. publishers. And I just love, I love indie games. I'm a huge fan of indie games. We try to spotlight indie games here, but you're doing, you're doing the heavy lifting. You're really focusing uh, there on, uh, on your website, all about indies, right? Yeah. It's 100% indies from solo developers you've never heard of who are just trying to put their first project together up to, say, an Annapurna, like I, something that is going to get a lot more mainstreamized. Uh, and everything on the website is is indie in some way. So we are spotlighting them by doing previews, doing reviews, doing uh, gameplay. I started doing gameplay videos uh, very recently and and everything in between. So if you're interested in indie at all, uh, come check us out at the Indie Informer. Fantastic. I love it. It's such an exciting space to be in. And we'll get into a lot of that this week. Excited to have you here. But let's let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love getting emails from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love when you participate in our communities. We've got a subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com and an awesome Discord with fantastic folks hanging out, talking games, and all sorts of other stuff. That is also 5x5dlc on Discord. Check it out. Become part of the community. Hang out. Tell us what you want to hear on the show. We love hearing from you. But Jill, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Story of the week for me is going to be Anna Burner. We brought it up already. I'm so I loved this showcase. I'm really ready to dive in. So let me know where you want to start. Well, I think the first thing we need to do, Christian, is acknowledge that when, just when we thought all of the showcases for the summer were over, no. well. It's the summer of games on DLC. You're going to get hyped up and the news will live up to your expectations. Or will it? Maybe it will. <laughs> just when we think all of the showcases of the summer of games, the not E3 that we have this year. Uh, are over. No, no, Annapurna comes and uh, really has a lovely, very, very focused, uh, not overly long uh, showcase with some great reveals and some updates on games we had already heard about. I mentioned, like, you know, like I mentioned to you, Jill, I, Annapurna is one of those very rare publishers that literally anything they touch, I'm going to pay attention to mm -hmm. because their batting average has been so high for me personally. Um, and I love that they had this uh, had this this showcase. It it featured some really lovely looks at the developers themselves. Yes. Showcased some really cool games. I'm curious what your the games that that they showed that you are most excited about, more most interested in are. Uh, 
so interesting thing this is their third showcase they started a couple years ago and every one of them has just been a banger there's no reason to ever skip this um i think i, I mean all of them for various reasons i i love watching indie showcases but I think I want to start out by shouting out to a T because it is literally the best theme song I have ever heard. If you have not seen the reveal trailer or it wasn't a reveal, but it was sort of an update, a more look at this game. If you haven't seen that from the showcase, please go back, stop what you're doing, jump into a pool. I don't know why it's summary. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, and just listen to this song because it is just, it will get into your head and never leave. Uh, so I'm I'm very interested to play this game. I'm very interested to see what the vibe is because we didn't see a lot of gameplay. We don't really know what's going on. I know it's episodic. Uh, it's got some sort of, like the, the, the conceit of the game is that you are playing as a teenager who is permanently stuck in a T-pose. Like, <laughs> That's the whole, that's the joke. That's the whole game. You you have to live your life. Uh, I guess the dog is helping uh, with various bodily functions. I don't know what's going on with that. But, and, and a big part of the message of the song and some reason why it's so funny is that it's just like, hey, you're a T and that's okay. You know, you be you. You're special. You are great as a T and everyone's just kind of cool with it. And then there's like a giraffe in the background for no reason and... This is the kind of game that I love. It's sort of absurd, but also very kind mm. sort of game. That's like, you're different, and that's fine, and everyone's cool with it, and no one's making fun of you. You just have to navigate now as a T-posed individual. <laughs> and maybe you have the advantage of being able to be like a helicopter and spin around and fly. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a good plus for the T-pose. I'm 100% down for that. If I had to trade... Being able to put my arms down and being able to fly like a helicopter? I don't know. That's yeah, like no, I, I definitely have to think about it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, the newest game um, from Keita Takahashi, who would, mm -hmm. is famous for the Katamari Damacy series. Um, and so, you know, there's already a an established level of creativity and thinking outside the box and it, it, that, that kind of beautiful, as you say, almost wholesome uh, message of, using video games to kind of talk about humanity and, and, you know, Katamari Damacy is a wonderful, addictive little, a little mechanical game, but also mm -hmm. kind of speaks to accumulation and just the stuff and detritus of the world. And it, it you know, you see this theme through his work of really kind of using video games to make a point. And you're right. I was so taken with this, this intro video and the song, the song is just chef's kiss. Uh-huh. Uh, I forwarded it to a bunch of people. Uh, Christian, did you have a chance to see to a T? Yeah. I, I <laughs> love the idea behind, let me try to phrase this, not a meme becoming a game, but also kind of a meme becoming a game. I mean, we hear about the T pose when it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> one of EA's NBA games infamously didn't launch because players just kept T posing in center court. It took multiple years off. And, you know, it's something that you hear about as a fan of video games and someone in the culture that knows what this is, but it is taking something that requires some semblance of knowledge to kind of grok the, the, 
central joke or conceit, but then making it in a game that seems to be, and who knows, I could be wrong, but seems to be very accessible in terms of who it's who the audience is. And I love something like that that brings people into the culture while making a joke about it, but also something that seems like it could be have the mainstream success that Untitled Goose Game or something has, where it's mm-hmm. just kind of this calamity happening everywhere but again in a wholesome and cheery way um and it's a perfect mix of chaos that's that's hard to do but it, it looks like uh to a t is is going to nail that to a t <laughs> yeah it's it's lovely and i can't wait to see more about it we don't really know when it that game is coming but uh, several games did get uh, firm release dates, including Cocoon, yes. which is a game that i'm very much anticipating it's coming out september 29th of this year um, which looks really no, good. It's nothing the next else. Nothing else is out then. <laughs> yeah, luckily yeah. it'll be wide open for gameplay time. I actually uh, got a chance to go hands-on with this very recently at Summer Games Fest, and I went in not ter- like it was not high, 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 high up on my list. Obviously, mm-hmm. the pedigree is there because it's uh, the developer behind uh, Limbo and Inside. So you you're like, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to. But I'm looking at it, I'm not huge into sci-fi, and bugs are not really my thing. Uh, So I'm like, okay, how are they going to get me into this? And I started playing it, and it's a brilliant, brilliant experience. There's there's something so immersive about it that I didn't realize until several minutes in. There's no UI. They don't tell you how to do anything. You're not prompted to do anything. It is 100% about you and your exploration of this game. And the fact that everyone manages to do it is just a testament to how well designed everything is because there are several different kind of paths to kind of explore and you still know what to do. You understand the visual language that they are using, that there's something going on, that there's little seeds planted that you follow and you feel really smart because, oh, I found that place that I saw from the Vista and now I'm going to figure it out. And then getting to the end and having that experience where I killed is not exactly the right word, but defeated the final boss or of the, of the demo and the final boss's body became a new like ability so that wow. I jumped out of the world. And anyone who doesn't know what this game is, uh, you are playing as some sort of mysterious, technologically advanced, but also it seems like abandoned sort of culture, um bug I, <laughs> yeah. I can't tell if it's a real bug or if it's a person in a bug suit like there's something going on here it's technological and it's buggy but not like that um and <laughs> you are i get the sense you're not supposed to be where you are or doing what you're doing because the things you're fighting are called guardians and mm. like why are, what are they guarding what am i doing that they need to guard me from doing and why am I destroying them? Uh, but you are solving puzzles and getting from world to world by jumping in and out of orbs, and each orb contains within itself another universe. So you are jumping in and out of universes in universes in universes, and it's galaxy brain, and it's just as awe inspiring in play as it is as a concept which a lot of times those concepts sound really cool and then they kind of fall flat. But here it is 
sort of amazing because you jump out and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I was in this entire world, but it's just a tiny little marble that I'm now holding and, and running around. And it's when I defeated the boss from one marble and jumped out, the marble now had the ability to reveal more in the world that I jumped out into. And I was like, if this keeps morphing in and growing in the way that I think it's going to, I can't help but think this is going to be uh, one of the best games this year. And this game has, or this year has been amazing for indie games. Yeah. So to for me to come out of it thinking, or going in thinking like, oh, we'll see, you know, maybe it's great. And then coming out of it being like, this might be game of the year of 2023 for me. I don't know how they managed it, but it was amazing. So seeing a date reveal at this showcase was my highlight moment. I was so excited. I was texting friends like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I am so excited to hear you say that. And it's coming to Game Pass. So yeah. uh, that'll be day one on Game Pass, which is uh, very exciting as well. Um, I I'm so excited to hear you say that because it has looked really cool. I mean, you described so eloquently the that universe jumping thing, but... I urge folks, if you have not seen the video of it, the effect of leaping into and out and the whole world just sort of like expands out of this little hole that you've jumped from. It's such a neat visual trick uh, mm -hmm. that it just feels like, you know, it, it, it feels like you said, very mind bendy. Um, I'm so glad that it plays just as exciting. So Cocoon, very high on my uh, anticipation list as well. That's great. Um, any other standouts for you from the showcase, Jill? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's hard because when you say that, you want to list everything. <laughs> but I think one of the really big standouts for me uh, was Ghost Bike. Yeah, me too. And I don't, again, one of those games that we didn't see gameplay of, but this was a reveal. Um, so I understand that in sort of the first look. But you are playing as a character who is attempting to revive the ghost powers of couriers past some sort of arcane inside group that you're trying to like that's for some reason went away and now you're trying to become one uh, and you have to defeat and challenge ghosts in the afterlife in order to get this power and that all sounds wild and it's sort of a mix for me it looked like a mix between um sable mm -hmm. with the art style yeah. um season a uh, letter to the future which came out earlier this year which was just about exploring and, and riding your bike and that sort of thing uh and then uh like knight rider <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. essentially yeah um, and the visual style is so is. slick for this one yeah it was very it, it grabbed my attention just from the aesthetic alone um, little little roller drome vibes too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just looks so so good. We don't really know exactly, like you said, exactly how it plays, but uh, I'm definitely curious about Ghost Bike. Um, we also saw the reveal of you know what is a mode in a lot of modern uh, AAA uh, you know uh, open world games. The photography mode mm -hmm, uh, has mm -hmm. its own game with the lush foil photography sim. Uh, this looks really interesting. You're just kind of going around this gorgeously represented world and finding uh, beautiful spots to take pictures. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I love it. I love that concept. Uh, we've seen it before in other games, so it's sort of photography-based games, but I've never seen a, a game that's this sort of deeply naturalistic and attempting to look like the real world. Yes, right. Um, so I don't know. I'm very excited to see if they give you some sort of objective if you're trying right. to do something or if it is just you're dropped into the world, go find beautiful things. Either way, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always tricky to find to have the like, well, we're going to rate your photo and give you points or however that, you know, would work. But you're right. right. It, there's no indication in the trailer, but uh, it does look like it's c captivating enough just to kind of go around the world and find gorgeous spots. It's it's it looked like a very, very beautiful game. And mm -hmm. like there's moments where you're on a kayak and it's just like it's lots of really. Yeah, you're going through Tory gates. Like, yeah. Just really. the most beautiful places they could think of they've put in this game and you get to explore them and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, Christian, the uh, the big sort of one more thing mic drop moment mm -hmm. for the Annapurna showcase was that uh, Annapurna re revealed that they actually have their first internally developed game, um, you know, a studio that they're that they are uh, funding uh, completely. And, uh, that game is based on a massive IP, a giant, uh, a giant franchise that we all know Blade Runner. Uh, they announced a Blade Runner game. Uh, it is Blade Runner 20, 2033 labyrinth, which places it obviously after the events of the original Ridley Scott Blade Runner, but before the sequel 2049 Blade Runner 2049 so interesting that it's placed there and um I'm curious what your thoughts of uh, Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth are for a reveal trailer it's beautiful I, I think you you hear the name Blade Runner and for me at least it's they need to nail the look and the feel Blade Runner I love both films um I, I think the world is so rich and I think so part of what makes it so rich is the visual aesthetic that it doesn't carry the films, but it is very important. It, it's like Dune for me. Like those films don't exist without the visual landscape that they have created. And this reveal trailer without showing me really what I'll be doing or how I'll be doing it tells me we get Blade Runner <laughs> in, yeah. in no uncertain terms. So I find that very exciting and as you both mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, you know, you put that big A on a CRT screen in front of it. I'm like, oh, Annapurna Blade Runner, I'm in. I, I don't, it seems silly, but I don't need much more than that, right? And so I'm very excited for this. And now I need to forget it exists until um, it's closer to coming out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in 2033, who knows? <laughs> yeah. They really have done a great job of, uh, of, cultivating great developers, cultivating great games and, and having such a high bar of quality that, yeah, I trust. And even in the film space, Annapurna, Annapurna has done a great job. I, I really have so much confidence when you're right. When you see that logo, I feel like, yeah, that's probably going to be a pretty solid or at least interesting. They, you know, they, they're putting their money behind interesting, daring, not the same thing we've seen a million times uh, before. Um, couple of other things there were some updates on games we know about bounty star got an update uh showed more gameplay uh from that game uh flock uh we we saw a really lovely 
sequence of uh <laughs> christian you've made fun of the um ubisoft e3 uh, okay i'm going in uh, <laughs> check your six all right this was that but for indie games you know it was like hey uh I'm going to capture the delightful butterfly creature. You know, it was, it was pretty great. And every creature that popped up too was just like, I do want to capture that. I do want to charm that. When can I do this? Yeah. Uh, the other game that, um, oh, and we, we got a release date for Thirsty Suitors, which I know mm-hmm. is a game that uh, looks really great from a developer I happen to really love. Um, that's coming out November 2nd. Lots of stuff this year. Uh, and then the other game that I just thought had such a powerful trailer was uh, Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. Do you remember the maze? Do you remember the maze? <laughs> uh, the maze? The maze? That's oh going to be a phrase that I will always say for this game now. Like, that's not ever getting out of my head. What a powerful cool trailer mm-hmm. and it's like puzzle 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 and it showed these puzzles and just glancing about the at them i'm like that looks very difficult that looks very hard <laughs> yeah i'm gonna wait for a much smarter person than me to figure out what this puzzle because they they had a at the end they had the 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 trailer that normally says this is all the information this is the date this is blah 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 but it just had like a series of puzzles, the series of like mazes that they had shown. Yeah. Like someone's going to figure that out and figure out what that says, but it's not me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But just looks like such a cool game. Um, So I don't know if there's anything else you want to bring up Jill about the presentation, but as we've said, I thought it was uh, excellent. So many really cool games to keep on my radar and Annapurna keeps knocking it out of the park as far as pushing the envelope uh, introducing these really cool indie experiences that are just so different than what sort of AAA mainstream gaming uh, is is giving us uh, week after week. Yeah, I think the only other things, uh, just quick shout out things, Stray coming to Xbox August 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big deal for a lot of people. I know several people who haven't been able to play it because they haven't had it on their console. So mm-hmm. that's always great. And then Storyteller is coming to Netflix. And that is interesting. Netflix is definitely making some moves here. I am not 100% sure how much I trust when other companies come into the video game space and think that they're going to be making a huge splash and then who knows a year from now they're like oh it's not what i was expecting or it doesn't work video games is such an odd like industry we are odd in the way that we do things we are odd in the way that we conceal things we are odd in the way that money works um so whether or not netflix stays around who knows but uh so far just the fact that they're 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 pushing for things like storyteller they're pushing for things like oxen free to like those are big moves and I'm yeah. going to keep my eye out for it. We'll, see how I, well it said. Yeah. I think it's an interesting marriage of platform and, and game, you know, storyteller it seems like a really cool it, people that are going to Netflix to engage in movie and TV show content. It feels like, Oh, that's an interesting relationship of you're actually creating a story here. You're formulating, formulating a, a narrative experience. I feel like that's a, kind of a smart move on Netflix's part to be associated with that particular game. Yeah. I mean, and Storyteller is very accessible. 
it is something that you can pick up. If you've never played a video game before, you get the concept, you get what's going on. Uh, it's quick, it's easy. Um, yeah, it's a great idea for them. I am very interested to see if what their target audience is. I'm still a little confused on that because if yeah. you're going after gamers, uh, indie gamers in particular, like that's an interesting choice. They're, Storytellers a great game. Uh, if anyone was interested in it, I'm. I don't know if they're gonna go to Netflix to pick it up. Right. No, it's the same. It's it's the the Red Notice audience is the same as the storyteller <laughs> audience. I think it's a pretty solid overlap. Extraction is mm-hmm. the same. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it fits pretty tightly. Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't know if the run of the mill non gamer Netflix goer is going to pick games up like this mm. so maybe they will maybe they'll be like oh i i've always wanted to try out this gaming thing and and this is a good reason or or, or you know yeah I, you're right it is kind of odd yeah i'm very interested I do feel like their approach to TV and movies is also very broad where, you know, the crown or Emily in Paris is not necessarily extraction, but it's all there, right? They want everyone in some way. And so I think having games like into the breach and storyteller kind of show, it's kind of like the blade runner reveal trailer. Like we get games and we get cool games and we're going to have those. We also have the, um, Stranger Things match three. <laughs> you know, well, you so know it's... I just wish I wish they would figure out a way. To, you know, I, I've, if I access Netflix on my Roku, like I do nightly, uh, I, I have no idea that they have video games. Yes. Right? It's, it, I wish there was a way that they were presenting the gaming option a little better to most people who check out Netflix. But mm-hmm. that's a different issue. All right. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Would you ever be able to guess, dear listener, what my story of the week is going to be? Uh, I mailed it to everybody, um, but to keep it a secret, I yeah. sharpied out what Smart. my story of the week How was going to be. How could they possibly see it if you sharpied it out? No one will ever know. Look, as a former attorney who used mm-hmm. to redact documents, I can tell you that there's only one method that works better than a sharpie on a document that's going to be digitally scanned, and that is using scotch tape um you want to use the clear the kind you wrap a birthday yeah, present with yeah. and you just put it right over the word and you think oh then you peel it off and it lifts the word off no you leave it on there you just leave it on there and it kind of magnifies it just a little bit you i know what i like to do is i like to take uh physical pieces of paper and password protect them i say <laughs> you can't look at this unless yeah. you tell me the password and then Jill, people... tell me your zip code and the last four of your social, and I'll show you this paper. Until mm-hmm. then, mine. I um, declare you six pictures. Safe. You tell me which ones have <laughs> buses declare. in them. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of that is to say the story that keeps giving, the the story that thinks it can, you know, it thinks it can, it thinks it can, it thinks it can. And FTC versus Microsoft. Mm-hmm. There's there's juicy stuff in that story this past week as well. But then there's also the juicy stuff that wasn't supposed to be part of that story. And if you're coming to this show for your news, uh, these companies submitted a bunch of documents that's part of discovery. And you have to give over information to the other side. Uh, probably a year ago, we talked about on this very show, the fight over discovery for this case, as Sony was objecting to how broad Microsoft's requests for documents were after Sony objected to 
Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. So all of that stuff is in play now in some form or fashion. And when that stuff gets handed over, uh, a lot of that sensitive information that isn't supposed to be for public view is redacted. That means it's kept away from the public eye. And in this instance, someone on Sony's team redacted it. It appears with a actual Sharpie on top of a printed document. And then when that document got scanned to be part of the digital record of evidence in the case, you can almost perfectly read everything (laughs) under the Sharpie. And so I'm sure we'll get to the FTC versus Microsoft stuff. Because again, interesting testimony. Bobby Kotick took the stand. Phil Spencer took the stand. We had uh, video depositions from NVIDIA, video depositions from Sony. Very interesting information. But we also learned how much Horizon cost. We learned how much Last of Us Part Two cost. We learned... Spoiler alert, uh, a lot. Yeah. A whole lot. And, and it wasn't just Sony. Microsoft also had information out that wasn't supposed to be out. We have a good idea, a very good idea, on just how many Xboxes are selling and, and when and how and where. And this case, at some point, I wonder if there is some point where they're just like, oh, crap, we should have just let this thing go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the this PR is big. The PR mm-hmm. nightmares. Uh, uh, so some fascinating information. You touched on a lot of it. Uh, $220 million for uh, for Last of Us Part Two Development, uh, not including other costs that go into a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news is Horizon 2, much cheaper. <laughs> At 200, <laughs> what was it, $218 million? <laughs> A bargain. <laughs> yeah. A, bargain. <laughs> A steal. Yeah. Um, I love this. Uh, this thing about uh, Call of Duty. So check this statistic out. Documents revealed that over 14 million users spent 30% of their total time on PlayStation playing Call of Duty in twenty one in 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 14 million people, that means for every, you know, for 30% of their time. So a third of the time that they were ever on PlayStation, they're playing Call of Duty. Okay, that's 14 million people. Six million people spent 70% of their time on Call of Duty. When they turn on their PlayStation, 70% of the time they're playing Call of Duty. And a whopping 1 million people, a million human beings, only played Call of Duty for that entire year. That's the only thing they use their PlayStation to do is play Call of Duty. We've talked about this for decades, about this mythical group of people that are just like, the Madden players or the Call of Duty players that literally just buy one game a year and that's the only thing they play on the console. Well, hard data says they exist and there's not a small amount of them. Mm-hmm. A million people, that's, they only own a PlayStation to play Call of Duty. Wow, I mean, uh, Jill, obviously you're an advocate for all kinds of really interesting, diverse, unique games. <laughs> yes. It must be a hard thing to hear sometimes, but you know, it's proof that this is, a way a lot of people just are funneled into gaming is through one experience. Yes, 100%. This, I mean, that's not, like you were saying, not really news in the fact that we all sort of had an idea of this, I believe, uh, last year or maybe the year before. We had a big, uh, this is how things have been selling on the platforms, uh, new gen platforms, and Call of Duty is the top of everything always. Uh, so you have a sense that, there must be that audience. It's nice to see the actual hard numbers. I'd love to get some of those people into some of the smaller games and see that there are more things out there. But right. it it's wild 
that I this uh, we were talking before about how unique the video game industry is in its secrecy and the fact that this stuff is just coming out like <laughs> well, even stuff yeah. that's not meant to come out like <laughs> I, it's redacted and, and that's a whole separate thing but just the things they are actually saying yeah. are, are are amazing to sort of hear actually coming out like you're hearing details beyond the carefully crafted yes like masks that everybody wears of like this is how you know we are it's like no you're a company you're trying to make money and i get that and i'm not gonna be you know i i don't put a lot of cachet into uh what platform one plays anything on everything you know indies come to a lot of things and hopefully they come to everything um but just kind of seeing beyond like behind the curtain a little bit uh for how how much all of this is making which puts a little bit more context into larger discussions of how much a game should be how much they should yeah. retail for and how much pressure there is to make a killing when you open a game and why you can't do uh why indies are 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 harder to do because you have to bring this to someone to fund and make sure that it's going to make that money back you know so a lot of AAA games can't take these kinds of risks that indies can because they have to make more than what was it 220 million dollars yes billion dollars whatever that's a lot was. well and and you see also why games are designed to be played forever now yeah. you know why a game you don't start a game to finish a game the, the g- games are designed to feed a person that wants to play one game the entire year. And I, you know, I, we can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it's interesting that the reasoning for it is right here in stark, I would say black and white, but it's like black and white covered <laughs> with black, but then you can see through the black to the white with some other black underneath it. Anyway, um, can talking we, about dollars. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We got to get that second yeah, part of talking this about dollars. Of Thank you. Yeah. Call of Duty evidently was worth now. Now, keep in mind, dear listener, Call of Duty is available on everything, mm-hmm. right? So it's available on Xbox. It's available on PC. Is it on Switch? Pla- Would you consider Switch a competitor? Is Switch a competitor? We're going to spend an hour today on whether or not Switch is a competitor. Is Switch a competitor? Yeah. Do you compete with the Switch? Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I think in the and I think uh, Phil Spencer might have said essentially no. Yeah, essentially. So no. I'll go with. And, and then Sony said, uh, I mean, kind of. And then Activision said, oh, God, we would have loved it to be on there. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Money? What? Yes, we'll take that. So just for PlayStation, just for PlayStation, one of the many multi-platforms that Call of Duty is available on, to PlayStation, Call of Duty was worth more than $800 million in 2021. That's not lifetime. That's Wait, a single year. U- in the U.S. In the United States. Yes, sorry. Yeah. You're right. United States, one country, one country, one platform. That's not how much it was worth to the people that made Call of Duty. That's how much it was worth to PlayStation. $800 million. Now, if you go to a global audience, not just the United States, we're talking $1.5 bill. Okay? Now, if you add in all of the PlayStation services that are... Uh, you know, <laughs> that are making money off of the fact that people want to play Call of Duty. Online subscription, so you can play online, PS mm-hmm. Plus, all the upsells, all the stuff that goes with it. Yes. Yes. We are talking 16 bill, $16 billion 
holy moly I, the idea of like well maybe they'll take a year off with call of duty no <laughs> one's taking a year off of call of duty no nope. nobody's leaving 16 bill on the table holy moly that's gobsmacking that is yeah. a much higher number than i would have ever guessed and 100 percent context as to why sony doesn't want this to happen yeah it's uh, it's pretty wild. This story just keeps it keeps surprising me in in ways that I couldn't possibly foresee. Christian, are there any other uh, tidbits that you want to bring up uh, from this? Well, like we, you said, lots of people testified. We got information of Bethesda's exclusivity and mm-hmm. those games, kind of, yes, being exclusive, and how that happened in a meeting. You know, kind of just we're doing it. They're all ours now. We're- Todd Howard's email, like um. I noticed that Call of Duty isn't uh, <laughs> exclusive. Is there? How come? I know, respectfully, I'm just curious why our games are missing it out is, on a giant audience. And that was. It is whew. fascinating to see these people who are all, I would, I think anyone would have to say, excellent at their job. Like we're not in an era of, um, you know, people who maybe ran all these studios at once and then also stadia we're not talking about those eras of these of these companies like they're all doing very well both in actual dollars and in public perception but seeing these inner workings of these top of their field folks internal communications and just seeing how that that inner working happens is is absolutely fascinating and I think some of the NVIDIA stuff also was was fascinating. The deposition was recorded before the agreement was reached for bringing Xbox games to, um, uh, totally blanking, on, on GeForce Now. And then after that and how they feel about competition and whether or not they feel and what Xbox honestly thinks about cloud gaming. And we got information out. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, dear listener. So there is excellent hardcore reporting done of this and i recommend Mm -hmm. reading it i recommend reading actual transcripts if you really want to dive into the nitty-gritty it's all out there for you to read i'm giving a big big brushstroke overview here but we got information about how xbox was likely intentionally throttling sales of their console to invest in the cloud and to purposefully take that hit and so could you argue that sony's dominance is real if Xbox was purposefully not trying to sell their console at the same level. We got fascinating um, questioning and understanding of different economic models about what is or is not dominance in the market. And I think anytime you, you have each party bring their own expert witness, you know who they're arguing for. But the fact of the matter is that these models, they don't exist. Let me rephrase whether any of these models is accurate really doesn't exist outside of a legal system because the, what they're trying to prove is the legality of a monopoly or whether or not there would be market dominance. And so you could argue stuff anecdotally about this makes this, this makes that, but it's kind of like the idea of whether or not something infringes copyright until you sue, it doesn't because you Mm. haven't, prove that it infringes so you have these economic experts making these arguments and then i think well i i don't think the ftc has ever had a great case i I think they still might win this (laughs) because they're often given a lot of deference in my opinion but i don't think they necessarily had a great case to stand on when this happened i think some of the dismantling by both parties attorneys of the economic experts was really interesting real life legal drama and not law and order 
it's my dad. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Legal drama. You can't handle the truth. Stuff. I can't yeah. I mean, I uh, am their daddy, though. I should say that. It, we got the test back. I am their daddy. So interesting to see <laughs> that, uh, you know, generally speaking, it looks like most game developers don't want to be exclusive to a platform. They want the most people to play their game that can. I think that's an interesting uh insight into mm-hmm. you know sometimes we don't know you know obviously those deals happen but at least in this case they want more people to play their games also i my favorite little tidbit is jim ryan yes just <laughs> taking a dump on game pass <laughs> just like everybody hate, I, i'm fine with game pass it's all the people i talk to mm-hmm. oh they hate game pass developers hate game pass let me tell you uh it's a business quote business model that appears to have some challenges and microsoft appears to be losing a lot of money on it (laughs) developers hate it they're losing money i don't understand why they're giving away all these games like this this is ridiculous yeah it's great and then you have the annapurna showcase where all of these games are coming to game pass first day (laughs) yeah i'm like Oh, that's an interesting juxtaposition there. <laughs> they must all hate that. Mm-hmm. They must hate it. Uh, yes, this is the story that keeps on uh, keeps on giving. I mean, it's literally like we need to come up with a jingle for this one because it, it's our weekly check in. I mean, a lot of stuff happened this week because it was the actual trial. But Christian, do you have any predictions as to how this is all going to shake out? Soon. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, not so soon. But yeah. I, th- I, I think because it's a holiday week here in the U.S., maybe not this week. But uh, there is a, a, a real billion-dollar clock ticking, and the court is very aware of that. And so I think yeah. we're going to have something soon, and then what happens after that is also going to happen soon. Uh, I, I've said from the beginning, I think this goes through. I'm going to stick, you know, stick by that. But as I mentioned before. Also, and <laughs> to argue against myself, in my opinion, the FTC often does have deference in cases. It'll be interesting to see, but my, I, I would still say that I think this goes through. But maybe by the time people are listening to this, <laughs> I don't think the court should up to work Monday before the fourth. But um, it's going to be soon. Yeah, whatever, whatever happens, the uh, the ancillary damage just to, in PR from all of the stuff that's come out is 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 pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, my story of the week, ladies and gentlemen. You you might expect me to talk about. Uh, I got. I, I got. Let me just say, I got your emails. I got your tweets. I am also jumping up and down with excitement that Baldur's Gate three has been moved up. I have talked many times on the show over the last few weeks about how uh, I didn't know how my life was going to be able to handle Baldur's Gate three and Starfield coming out within a week of each other. And yes, we could all rejoice together that Baldur's Gate 3 is being moved up. Never happens. Games always get delayed. Moved up to August <laughs> Jeff 3rd. Jeff was wrong. And I wanted to point it out that Jeff was wrong and it wasn't delayed. Well, it also got delayed. It also got delayed on consoles. So but, I'm still right. Yeah, I'm, I'm still right. Technically speaking. Yes. No, no. Thank you, well, Jill. I, I lost you. I lost you, Jill. I'm Thank sorry. You. What was that? One more. <laughs> technically still right. Um, so we can all celebrate that uh, a, a lot. I'm very excited. <laughs> Two days after my birthday. Not a coincidence also. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that uh, next week because July 7th, they're having their big, uh, Larian's having the big uh, Baldur's Gate, you know, direct. So I'm not going to have that be my story of the week. That's not my story of the week. My story of the no, week is- You just is talk about it for 10 minutes and then don't claim it. Go not ahead, my Jeff. story yeah. of the week. Mm-hmm. My story mm-hmm. of the week is one I can't, I, I, I really want Jill's take on this. I want your take oh, on this, Christian. Okay. I'm so 
fascinated by the story that broke in a very weird way. You think there were shocking reveals at this FTC trial, and there were. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, I submit they pale in comparison to the shocking reveal, the earth-shattering moment that happened, oh, just in casual conversation with some indie devs and Games Radar this week. Because uh, evidently a comedian, who I'm not aware of, uh, Alasdair Beckett King, I hope I pronounced that somewhat close, uh, who, who made a joke about loading screens and the little bar that goes across your, the bottom of your screen during a loading scene, made a joke. And then all of a sudden, Mike Bithel started saying, oh, yeah, 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 no, no, loading screens are not real. And everybody started agreeing. Oh, yeah, no, that little bar at the bottom of the screen, that doesn't mean anything. It's, it's like a and brain started exploding, including my own. We've been living a lie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Loading screens are a lie. There's all this talk uh, about uh, uh, Rami Ishmael, who, who's making um, uh, Thirsty Suitors, said, I've literally never coded an authentic loading screen in my entire career. They're all just nonsense. The loading bar is not actually showing you anything. If you saw a loading bar that smoothly went from left to right, people don't believe them, don't trust them. So we artificially make them stagger. So it seems like it's it's working really hard to load. And that's just <laughs> BS. It's not real. Everything's a lie. It's all a lie, Jill. <laughs> what are we doing here? I did see this, actually. I saw this tweet on, on Twitter, uh, and I love it. First of all, indie developers, when you get them together, they can be remarkably and sometimes dangerously candid about how things work. Uh, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I'm not at all surprised. Um, it makes me think back to, oh, I can't remember. It was a baking company that like gives you, like, here's how to instantly bake a cookie or whatever. Um, but nobody believed it was just add water so it's like they had to go back in their recipe and say add eggs and you don't ever have to add eggs <laughs> i think i can't remember if it's cookie or pie or something but it's it's the same concept like people just don't trust it if it's that easy right so you need to make it just a little bit harder and then it also made me jump back to the beginning of this uh console generation where you were having people kind of going through narrow spaces and the, how yes. that used to hide sort of loading screens and how they wanted to take them out, but people still kind of missed them. So they put them back in. Yeah. Uh, stuff like this happens in games all the time. And it's great hearing about just like the weird little things that just because we're human and, and we've been in this industry so long and something has existed forever or like really good example too uh most kids younger than me won't know what the save the the icon on a save button right is right the, the floppy disk image explain yeah. what a floppy disk is because yeah. uh, a game that i really enjoyed uh kingdom come deliverance has a kind of tongue-in-cheek saving mechanic where you take a potion <laughs> uh to save and the the icon is a floppy disk and no one knew that just <laughs> like i wrote a whole thing on it uh, as part of my uh introduction to game informer when when i first started out with them and 
yeah, it's just hilarious how we hold on to these kind of vegetables because people, it just, it doesn't feel the same without them. And it's great that people are talking about it. I, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. The, the, literally admitting that they have artificially lengthened loading screens when the game is ready to go, but they think that the audience or they have you know data to suggest that the audience hasn't waited long enough. They need actually to wait a little longer to feel like the game has loaded something substantial. That when you do it instantaneously, they're like, that's not, that's not how it should work. There's something wrong here. And so they've artificially lengthened loading screens. The any kind of icon you see is just a animation to make you feel like something's happening. We're all lab rats, Christian. What's going on? Well, that's like me. I mean, I put a lot of uhs into while I'm talking so that people think I'm thinking of it as I'm saying it and that you and I aren't reading off of our scripts that we've prepared Mm, for each episode. So it uh, really helps us make us feel smarter. Then we actually spend hours researching. We emailed Jill her copy earlier in the day. This is highly scripted uh, show. We make it seem orchestrated to the second Yes. Off the cuff. I read something and I was trying to look it up. I couldn't find the actual article about it. But I remember something from years ago about the pinwheel, the Mac pinwheel and other just things that happen to let people know that something is happening. Mm-hmm. And another example that was in this article that I can't find, sorry, bad story, is the when you were talking to the and now they've changed a little bit, but the the voice assistant, the robot assistant before we would call it AI on the phone. It, hey, why don't you tell me? what you're looking for use a few short words and i'll look it up and you'd, you'd say speak to a representative and they'd be like <laughs> oh speak to a representative let me look <laughs> oh okay i see what and it's like there's like a something happening because if it yeah. was just a deadline people would hang up and i've had to mention this on the show before i'm fascinated by this apparently forever ago when the very first og ipod came out People were complaining that on shuffle it would always play Beastie Boys. Oh yes, and I've that heard this. It wasn't it wasn't random because there's right. no way it could be random. Payola, this, that. Oh, I almost said it, dear listener. I almost said this, that, or the other thing. But I didn't. I didn't say it. You can um, still drink. You can still drink. Um, but then <laughs> apparently someone at Apple went in and actually tweaked the shuffle code to make it less likely to play beastie boys no it, yeah they made it, it or it, less random true because- random true randomness didn't feel random to people because they'd get like two songs from the same album back to back and be like that's not random but that was random and so they <laughs> had to make it less random to appear more random and apparently, per the anecdote that I heard or read all these years ago, it was Beastie Boys because early iPod owners also happened to be big Beastie Boy <laughs> discography owners. And that's when you were loading your own music in. So they had to put something in, you know, in value seven, no Beastie Boys or something <laughs> like that. We're all, we're all lizard brained. We're all yeah. just. <sighs> I do. I, the crazy thing is, I mean, another of these crazy things, I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I'll just want to uh, ex- explain it exactly. They know how many seconds it's going to be until the thing is loaded. So they could have a bar that goes smoothly that number of seconds from left to right, but we don't think that means the computer's doing anything. So they make it look, they chunk it. So it makes it look like the, you know, how you see the loading bar go, Mm-hmm. Oh, it did a big thing. It's working yeah, hard. Oh, it's really working yeah. hard, that computer, trying to load my game. <laughs> Good computer. 
We're all idiots. We're all idiots. I did have I, this is totally off topic, but once uh, I used to work in museums and I was speaking to an older gentleman uh, and I said at some point, oh, the computer just has to think for a bit, you know, just as a vernacular way of saying like it's loading. Yeah. And he was like, they don't think. <laughs> so serious. I was like, no, you're correct, sir. I'm so sorry. Well, it's been thinking about you, sir. It's thinking oh. about you. I'm I'm that old man. When somebody's uh, genders Siri or something, if it's someone, I'm like, no, we call this thing an it. It is an it. We do not. We do not give it a. It is not a human being. It is not gendered. It is an it. It's the same thing for any kind of uh, video game developer or company in in writing for video games. If you are, that's a, a surprisingly like large mistake that editors will pick on a lot uh and and i have edited before and i also find in a lot of things it's like it's very tempting to say like developer blah 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 they blah 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 it's like no yeah. it is a company it's isn't it right right not they yeah i don't know i i'm pretty sure the supreme court said companies are people i don't know <laughs> um, only with their supreme money court only with has their been money. um definitely on a roll yeah recently yeah. fair fair point um Anyway, you know, we do story of the week here. Uh, I just want to say, I think this might be my story of the year or story of the decade. This, this, this is, it breaks all, it breaks my brain. It, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I want. Do I, I do I want the game, the loading screens to be more honest? I think I do, but evidently maybe I don't, maybe I don't even know what I want. I heard you say you don't know what you want. Let me look that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what you want. I believe what you wanted is playlist. <laughs> More Beastie Boys, Boys again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Jill, I suspect your playlist has some really wonderful indie games on it. I suspect it does. I don't have to pretend anymore. I can just play indies. Uh, Call yeah, of Duty. I, just Call of Duty. Call of Duty 100%, 100% of the time. <laughs> I should do that to somebody and just mess them. Uh, but I no, read this... about them, write about them. I don't play that crap. <laughs> <laughs> There's some logic to that, actually, because I do pick up uh, AAA games just for fun, because I don't have to think about them as content. Right. So, uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom very recently was that game for me. Uh, but playing, absolutely do not miss this game. This is a fantastic title. Dave the Diver is so good. If you've not seen this game, it's been in early access for a very long time, but it just came out uh, 1.0, I think, last week. Uh, and it the basic premise is you are a diver who is dragged into the world of for-profit fishing slash making sushi. So another uh, one of those stories, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so many. Diamond does. Tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> you are the gameplay is split sort of into two halves. The first half is actually diving, and you can dive in the morning and in the afternoon. Uh, and you are exploring an underwater world. You are picking up resources. As you sort of go, you meet different characters that 
can do things for you. So you start to have someone who can like make guns for you and you find parts for those guns underwater. And then if you bring it to them, they can make you even stronger things. So you can start taking on like sharks and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, or you have like ecological studies that you can do and you're picking up different shells and things in order to get, yeah, I, and all of this stuff like is tied into upgrading your gear and being able to dive longer and being able to uh, get bigger and better fish because you are trying to fish. But there's also sort of a, a storyline about an underwater sort of undiscovered uh civilization that uh, and all kinds of things are happening there and I don't want to ruin anything but you are trying to dive and you start out very able to go like maybe 30 meters down or something very shallow and 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 fish and when you come back up and you keep if you die is not exactly the right word <laughs> fail the the health system is tied into your oxygen tank which is very clever so it's both stamina and health uh, if you go down too far, you start losing oxygen. If you run out of oxygen or if you get attacked by something, you're running out of oxygen, then you pass out. You can only take one thing that you captured while you're down there with you uh, and you have to go back up to the boat with just one tiny little consolation prize. Uh, and then at the second half of the game is actually like a restaurant management sim where you are taking all of the fish that you got from your or earlier expeditions and giving them to uh, Bancho, who is like the best sushi chef in the world, you know, or at least yeah. he believes so. He's like he if takes, Dragon Ball Z was a sushi chef, you know? Yes. Yeah. He takes himself super seriously. He has these amazing cutscenes where he's like meditating on the top of a mountain and like dodging fish sushi rolls or something like it's just fantastic how much humor is is present during all of this but you have to give him all of your fish in order to run the restaurant if you don't have enough fish you're not going to get money or or you're not going to get likes on i forget what the social media is on in the game but uh in order to get like progressively better in your restaurant and get more menu options you have to be liked by people so your service has to be fast and you have to be uh serving people and not running out of meals you have to do a little mini game with like serving tea which is hilarious and really stressful it's wild <laughs> how stressful the restaurant part is you would think that like in the the diving where you're like fighting sharks and like diving underwater into darkness would be the real stressful part. No, it's the restaurant part where you're like running around trying really hard to make sure that everybody's happy. Um, and there's just so much to do and they both have feed into each other so fantastically. Everything is gorgeous. It's pixel art, but it's got that sort of 3D rendering background sort of look to it. So it's got a real depth to the visuals. It's hilarious. It's got some commentary in there that's really fun. It's You're never going to run out of things to do. And it is one of those games where you think that you might step in for, oh, I'll just go for a quick dive. And then 
you have to keep going because now I have to accomplish this thing. And, and this new thing just popped up. So I want to make sure to get that. And, oh, I just got an oxygen tank that lets me dive really deep down. So I have to see what's going on there. And so you will pick this game up and then never stop playing. I have also been playing Dave the Diver. And you did an excellent job of, of outlining what the game is. We had a guest on uh, months ago that talked about this game in early access. And it kind of went in one ear and out the other. And I didn't really think that it was going to be a game for me. I'm not particularly into fishing games. Uh, not that this is a fishing game, but that's kind of what I heard it was. You know, uh -huh. I didn't really grok how the game worked. Uh, but I got a code for this this week. And you are right. I, I was I sat down to play this to check it out, and I ended up like hours melted away. Mm -hmm. I love this game, and you did such a good job explaining it that it, it is really two separate games that feed into each other. You're doing the diving stuff, which is this like two D exploration, really very zen and tranquil. It's just very peaceful to go down into the water, and it's so beautiful and it's so colorful, and you see all these. There's little nooks and crannies to swim down. And you're like, well, you know, have this like little push your luck. Like, oh, do I have enough oxygen to get down there? Oh, look, 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 there's a treasure chest. Maybe there'll be an oxygen tank in there that'll let me keep going. And I'm going to try for it. And, oh, I see something cool that I can find. And you get uh, upgrades of equipment that, down there and resources. And there's cool fish. And the, the central mechanic of capturing the fish to bring to the sushi market is this harpoon that feels very satisfying. Um, when you harpoon a fish, it just like thunks into it and it just feels really weighty and cool. And you're, you don't, you can't get every fish all the time. Sometimes it triggers really my only, the only thing I don't like about this game is it triggers sometimes that you have to just mash a button and oh man, I get so stressed that I'm not going to push the button fast <laughs> enough. And sometimes the fish get away because you didn't push the button fast enough. Um, Jeff, just wait. You're going to learn that pushing the button fast doesn't matter. Doesn't even it's do just it. a loading screen. It's just well, a loading. In this game, and I think that's actually true for many games where you ask you to push a button fast. In this game, not true. If I don't push the button fast enough, that fish gets away mm -hmm. and I get very sad. Um, anyway, so that's this lovely thing. And you're right. The visuals are so great. It actually reminds me of the old LucasArts games like um, Full Throttle. The, okay. the big, chunky pixel art, you know, like, especially the cutscenes, And there's a lot of actually cool cutscenes in this game. Mm -hmm. um, it looks kind of like old full full throttle. Um, and then, you know, and then you go into the sushi restaurant. And I don't know if you played this game, but way back, you're probably not old enough, Jill. Way back in the, the early aughts, in 2003, uh, there was a game that was released called Diner Dash. Uh, on iOS and uh, other app platforms. And I was dating a girl at the time who was obsessed with Diner Dash. And she played it nonstop. I played it a bunch. It, it's basically this, you know, increasingly level of stress of more people coming into your diner. You got to get them the right, you know, match the icon of what they want to the menu item, get it to them in time. And you're just trying to manage all the people coming into the restaurant. Very fun, very addictive, cool little, you know, mobile game well that's basically what this the sushi restaurant in dave the diner uh dave the diver is is like diner dash uh and so i had played that really enjoy that it's super fun so 
I'm like, I love both sides of this game. I get this. I'm like, you know, 20 minutes into this. I'm digging it. I'm going to play a bunch of this. This is awesome. It looks great. It's super fun. And then it starts layering stuff onto that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, but there's also other things you can do. And like you hinted at, there's a whole civilization you can discover. And there's all these different kinds of people that keep showing up and offering you different kinds of quests. And there's all this storyline that starts. And I'm like, what? This game is awesome because it 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 could have just stopped at the two yes. kind of halves of the game that work well well together and i want to get cool fish and in order to get cool fish i have to upgrade my stuff so i have to make money how do i make money well i have to do really good at the sushi restaurant so i want to get the good fish at the sushi restaurant to get better money to get better fish to go deeper into the ocean like all of that mechanically works and they could have stopped right there but then the game gets way more interesting because it's like, oh, you, you're telling me there's fantasy elements too and <laughs> sci-fi elements and like crazy weapons dealers and like all kinds of other stuff that starts layering on. And, you, you know, you're doing these, like you said, research projects and it's just, it's just awesome. It, this game is phenomenal. It's, it's really one of the best games I have played all year. You're absolutely right. Dave the Diver gets a huge thumbs up from me as well. Great game. Yeah. Also, caution. The first day I played this, I like could not control the fact that I had to order sushi. So <laughs> yeah. don't play hungry. Don't play hungry. Yeah, that's that's a good tip. Uh, and, yeah, it's 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 so fun. It plays great on Steam Deck as well. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I really like Dave the Diver. What else is on your playlist? Uh, so I recently, for one of my gameplay videos, got to play a game that I've been watching for a long time, and it is still in early access, but very recently revealed that it was coming through all platforms and is coming sometime this year. That's still kind of an open window. Um, but I am excited, uh, to play MythForce. And if you have not heard of MythForce before, you check it out. It is essentially an 80s cartoon D&D Dungeon Delver sort of situation. You go from room to room killing mushrooms and skeletons and uh, upgrading all your stats and getting like ice bows and perks that are like glass cannon. Like I had all of my chat decide what I what my perks were going to be and they kept giving me like you're going if you get hit once you'll die but you do a lot of damage. I'm like okay, this is what we're doing. Um, and it is just a real, it is not a parody. It is such a beautiful homage to sort of these earlier, like Thundercats and, and yeah. He-Man and that sort of era of, of game. And you can tell that the developers really loved it and they want to bring that, uh, sort of, it's sort of campy and it's sort of like ridiculous and over the top, but at the same time, very fun, very like respectful of all of the base materials it is pushing boundaries on a lot of the tropes, um, but also just a, it is meant to be played with other people. It is a four-player game, essentially, but you can play 100% solo if you are interested in just making through a run. And it just did a bunch of new updates and reworked a lot of things, and I'm very interested to see how all of that works out. And it is just a fun time to have, especially if you're with friends and you're you're 
breaking into a room and you're like, oh no, giant mushroom guy on your left, I'm going to save you. Oh no, I'm dead. Someone remind me. Like it's all of that sort of just like having that one horrible friend who goes around and steals all the gold or <laughs> takes the healing potion that you needed. Um, it, it's just good fun. And no, go ahead. This was this was recently featured in I can't remember which, but it was one of the big Nintendo. Nintendo, Nintendo? was it Nintendo? Yes, it just came to Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. So it was just featured in one of the big uh, uh, Summer of Games, uh, uh, you know, directs the Nintendo Direct, and I was completely taken by the visual. Like you said, it it looks like those old eighties cartoons, and um, I'm so jealous that you got a chance to play it uh, because it, it you it's not this is not early access available to anybody, right? You, you got the place yes, because actually, you're covering. I think it, it had a demo at the steam next fest, but no, oh, um, but I believe you can get it on Epic and pick up the early access. So if you're very interested Ooh. in checking that out, go to Epic, uh, but it should come sometime this year. If you are dying to check it out and you're not a huge fan of PC gaming, if, uh, like it does have control. I always play with a controller, so I was always I I started playing it. It was introduced at GDC. I want to say 2022. Um, so when I started playing it, I had to play mouse and keyboard, and my skills do not meld over very well for that. So I was very happy when it came to controller. Um, so yeah, everyone keep an eye out for this. It's a lot of fun. Yes, you're right. I was looking at it on Steam, and it looks like it is. Uh, it's on the Epic Game Store now, and they say 1.0 coming soon. So yeah, mm-hmm. Myth Force is the name of the game. Um, oh, and if you have, if you do, if you do nothing else, please check out the animated theme song <laughs> on YouTube. It is so worth your time. If you're ever feeling down or you just need a little like energy. Just it it is an absolute bopper of a song. So the, so start with the two to a T song, yes. and go to the Miss Force song. <laughs> we're, we're getting our playlist, and then Beastie to Boys. Two a T is one of those things that's gonna make you like feel good and sort of like uh, Myth Force makes you like yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, what else is on your playlist? Uh, I want to shout out Sludge Life Two. It is a very different vibe for what I usually like. It is over the top. It is in your face. It is like uh, you start out randomly in a bathroom and you yeet your laptop out of your way and you down a drink of some unknown beverage and you throw up all over the uh, toilet. And like, that's how you start the game, you know? Um, So it is that sort of game, but it is mixed with a kind of deep, very important commentary on 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 issues that are very important right now, like uh, class and elitism and uh, consumerism and commercialism and you know and it and it's all done in a very over the top way. Like one of the things you'll run into as you get into sort of the main square of the game is like Siggy, who is a huge company and the mascot is like just a face that's smoking and, and the smoking face is being uh, marketed to children. And there's a child there like talking about how cool Siggy is and like cigarettes and blah, blah, blah. Um, So like, it's very deep in its commentary 
paired with the most outrageous, just like everything that's happening to you is just outrageous. You, uh, you runner, it's essentially, it's an adventure game. Uh, so you are trying to find a rapper that you have become the manager of, um, <laughs> And you don't know where they are, and so you're trying to go around, talk to a lot of people, and that is basically the game. But because the game is so over the top, it's not like a walking sim like a lot of adventure games kind of feel. Uh, I recently just found the glider, which such a stupid thing in this game that I love, is anytime you use an item... You throw it. You throw it away. <laughs> and then whenever you push the correct button to use it again, it just reappears. And it's like, it, it is all sort of um, Dada-esque, kind of like surrealism inspired as well. But just like what that would look like in modern day. Uh, and, and I love it. It's great. If you can stomach that kind of attitude, that kind of humor, uh, it's definitely worked checking out this is not a game i was aware of again it's called sludge life 2 i'm looking at yes. it here on steam it's 15 bucks there's a demo on steam uh yeah and it looks like it, yeah, attitude i think is the perfect word to describe uh what it looks like but a uh, very cool <laughs> game to to make me and the audience aware of because I, I had never heard of sludge life one let alone the yeah. sequel uh but uh it's yeah just came out uh june 27th so there you go Awesome. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist this week? Would you believe that there's a game called Final Fantasy that there's been 16 of? We talked 16? about a second Sludge Life. I don't know if you knew that there's been a 16th Final Fantasy. I am still making my way through Final Fantasy 16. And so I, I, I won't need to talk tons about it this week because I'm mm -hmm. sure I, I want to revisit it after I roll credits on it which every week I think it's going to be that week. And then life is like, oh, really? 30 more hours of it. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes that. And then sometimes it's like, really? You're going to roll credits this week? Not if we have anything to say about it. And then sometimes, I think I texted you this, Jeff. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of this game. And then I sit down and I just start crying because of all the games I want to be playing. And I end up <laughs> just playing Beat Saber for eight hours instead. Like, this makes me happy. This is enough. This, <laughs> this is, is enough. enough. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but in my, I feel like I'm probably 60% through the campaign of final fantasy 16 at this time. I think currently it'd be in my top five really? of the year, okay. but knowing what's left of the year, I don't think it will end up that way. If that makes sense. It's like really on five right now. It's like trying to do a pull up on five and there are parts of this game. Go back and listen to last week's episode. If you haven't, if you want you know, initial thoughts of Final Fantasy 16. But there are parts of this game that I think are all-time banger status. There are moments where the combat is flowing, and I'll speak vaguely, I won't spoil any plot elements in, in my discussion here today. But there are moments where I'm in combat and switching in and out of powers and abilities and new enemies are introduced and bigger enemies are introduced. And then some of these boss fights are just memorable video game moments that I think will stick with me forever, just in terms of scope and scale and magnitude and also just fun on the controller. You know, I'm, the joy I'm having changing powers or doing these massive 
punches that have weight and and feel behind them and all of the particle effects that are going on. And then there are sometimes where in a fight and my youngest walked in and, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I think I'm trying to defeat the thing that's in the middle of all that stuff. I mean, it's just stuff, just stuff everywhere. And I wade into the stuff and I'm doing stuff, but I never feel out of control, which I think is a testament to the combat system they brought to this game. And then there are moments in the plot where, you know, my jaws on, on my desk and I'm like, what? Oh, I, w- I didn't see that coming. That is an awesome twist and a turn. And, you know, I'm not saying it's game of Thrones in its narrative, but like game of Thrones had surprises for people along the way, or even breaking bad to use a non fantasy setting where you're like, Oh dang, they did that. Like this game's delivering in that front as well. And it's incredible. And then there are other times when it's trying to pull up onto my top five and its arms start getting all jelloey and it starts falling down the rung. And that's when my controller is sitting on my desk and people are talking about stuff that I just, what? Huh? <laughs> Who? What? I don't care. This seems important. Uh, let's drink tea. They're not drinking tea, but that's, it seems like now we're going to do an hour tea party. And I'm like, why is there an hour tea party happening here? <laughs> and then it introduces me to site. And it's like, be sure to check this off often. You're going to want to check this often. This, we just introduced you to a new thing. Check it. And then I check it. And it's like, you can go do this if you want. And then I go do it. And it's like, you did it. What did I get for it? Something for crafting. <laughs> do i need this for crafting no no it's not that difficult of a game you're doing fine just you know mainlining this there's game. really one sword but, you can make per area it's not that but check this often yeah. and i'm not i'm not mr side quest never have i ever been mr side quest there are some incredible side quests that i've had in games and we've talked about some of the incredible side quests in horizon they even break them down it's not even a side quest it's like this is a meaty thing not the main narrative, but a meaty thing. And some of those are incredible. And there are some incredible side quests in games. And maybe, dear listener, there's an incredible one that you played in Final Fantasy 16. I am not going to play that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've played enough of them that are like, go talk to Rebecca. Oh, cool. It's going to be, oh, I can't wait to see what Rebecca tells me. And Rebecca's like, oh, you're the new guy. Yeah. Thanks for swinging by. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll go tell Otto I talked to Rebecca. <laughs> Cool. I'm exaggerating. There are more, there's more there, there sometimes, but there's also constantly the insignia on the main thing to do. And so you'll get these prompts where it'll be something along the lines of, I should probably explore this area and see what people are up to. And then on the screen, there's just this red insignia that's like, go here, go here. This is where you should go. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll wander around. Idiot, go here, go here. (laughs) So I'm having a really hard time investing in the larger world a final fantasy 16 but again when things are firing on all cylinders and i'm in those boss battles and the cinematics that are doing stuff that i care about <laughs> which is not all of them but maybe 60 percent of them i think are incredible and so i'm very curious to see what this back 40 percent is like because we've had guests on the show i think anthony we hit his spoiler free yeah. review which we posted really talked about it coming alive in the back half and i feel like i'm seeing that and I've already had a lot of fun in the front half. So I am super curious where this thing goes. Cause like I said, my, my head's been spun around a couple of times narratively already. And I don't know if you're sticking with it, Jeff, but I feel like it it's going to deliver, but I understand if folks 
put the controller down during a two hour cutscene and then don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I danished this game. Um, uh, Jill, we have, uh, you know, we have games I think that, that we means finished. You liked it. I think that means that you liked it and saw enough of it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, you we liked it. We have we have uh, a friend of the show named Danish. This is uh, named after him. Uh, there's games that we finish and there's games that we danish. And mm-hmm. uh, I danish this one. Um, I don't. It's I, it's yeah. I got what I wanted out of it. Uh, I don't need. I'm not. I don't care enough uh, about the story at this point to pour the hours into it. Um, it's fine. It does some and, stuff, but it definitely puts it behind some hours i'm definitely excited to hear you tell me about the end and that oh my gosh it was all worth it and now you have to go back to this i'm excited for that conversation mm-hmm. but i i went back to diablo 4 this week big time and i had an interesting revelation that i think diablo 4 and final fantasy 16 are kind of the same game like they're not that different from each other, but I just like what I just like the way that Diablo does it better. You know, now that's a really dumb thing to say because obviously they're not the same game; they're very, very different games. But someone just stopped writing their email. They were like, "Yeah, oh, okay. no, they already wrote it." They, they pause as soon as I say the dumb thing. They write the email and then they come back to see if I took it back after the email has been sent. I'm really glad you're jumping in the line of fire on that one. Yeah, that's thanks. Nice. Yeah, it's not smart of me. I um, recently got all the Final Fantasy 16 uh, fan base mad at me when I was on Kind of Funny and Greg Miller turns to me and he's like, are you interested? Are you excited for Final Fantasy 16? Completely ready for me to say yes. And went, no, you know, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the worst thing you can say to those people, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. It's gonna be even worse. Cause I just said it's the same game as Diablo Four. That was a stupid thing to say. Um, but for me, basically, here's why I say that is because I turned away from something because I felt it was one way, and what I turned towards, I realized, oh, all of the criticisms I had of this one over here can be applied to this one over here. I just like this more, and so I tried to analyze why that is. Now, let me explain. I think basically Final Fantasy 16 is push the buttons in the right order or maybe not even the right order. Sometimes just push the buttons and amazing, spectacular things will happen on the screen and you will move forward and then it will meet out more story for you, right? That's the entire game. I've, I've being reductive but being reductive but not wrong there's intricacy to the combat but there doesn't have to be right yes you can certainly get by without it and what the game is delivering is this feeling of being constantly op constantly doing spectacular things effortlessly and mowing through dozens of enemies at a time and the reward for that is the next bit of story that you move forward on now or the I next go, cool power, which I think also yeah, might next apply cool power, to your next cool next thing argument. you get to do, right? That lets you rinse, repeat, right? And I go, and I, I, I got to myself. I, I said to myself, you know what? I'm not really enjoying this. It's fine. It's fine, but it doesn't feel like a great use of my time to me. Because as much as I think the voice acting is excellent, the writing of the story is actually not bad at all. I thought. I'm not 
loving this game. I'm not loving this story. I'm not invested enough in the story. It's not my thing. I'm just not, I'm not a huge anime person in general. I like the exceptional animes, the ones that really are great, but I'm not the guy that's going to be constantly reading, watching, reading manga, watching anime. And it's very anime story, you know? Um, and so I just was like, man, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And then I went to Diablo and I went, oh, you know what's great about this game? I push the buttons. Doesn't necessarily have to be the right buttons. Spectacular things happen on screen. Mowing through dozens of enemies at a time. This is great. I'm like, what? But I just criticized the other one for that. And it's I'm meeting out the story. You know, I'm I'm almost I'm at almost at the end of the Diablo 4 story. And at the end of the Diablo 4 story, you know, a whole new game starts. So it's not like it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. But well, halfway through Final Fantasy 16, a whole new game starts. So <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, the 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 thing that I was trying to say is not a criticism of the games themselves, but more a criticism of me because in, on one hand, like I wasn't, I didn't feel like that was a very fun experience. But on the other hand, like basically delivering the same type of thing is a fun experience. So it's just a different flavor of ice cream. You know, like I just happen to like this flavor of ice cream more. And when I have two really excellent ice creams in front of me, I'm, I don't have time to eat both. So I'm going to pick the one that I like more. And so that's just the way it is. I like the Diablo four ice cream flavor more. And so I'm, I, I'm playing. I, I just think that game is absolutely gorgeous. I, every new biome that I've gotten to in Diablo four, has blown my mind to just how beautiful they rendered that world. I happen to love the top-down isometric view. I've always preferred it. I thought it's you my... were going to say hell. I thought <laughs> you were going to hell. I've always loved hell. I mean, I've always loved the aesthetic. I did have of... children on purpose, so, you know, I must <laughs> like it somewhat. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I had my first world boss fight this week in Diablo 4, and that was thrilling and fun. It, it it was really cool and having a bunch of people working on it and it felt hard and interesting in cool ways. And, you know, and, and, and the, the thing that Diablo four has that final fantasy doesn't really, I mean, it, it does lip service to it, but it doesn't really is the loot part. The loot is fun for me. I love finding a cool new piece of gear that breaks a rule or makes me try a different build. And I, you know, I've been, I, I've mentioned I've been playing a druid in Diablo 4. I tried a completely different build of my druid this week, and it plays like a completely different class. Completely different. Same class, and there's multiple cl classes to, to level in that game, but just changing your build, I went from this very dynamic, you know, I was uh, polymorphing into a bear and trampling people, and I was shooting off... Uh, um, tornadoes all around and, and just running from place to place and bopping all around and being very mobile to change to this lightning build where I have to, I have a channeled lightning attack that soaks up all of my mana or spirit in this case. Um, but I, I can't move when I cast it. So I have to st stay in one place. And the longer I hold the button down, the more lightning bolts show up, up to five. So it behooves me to stay in one spot but that soaks up all my mana. And so I have to use this other skill to build the mana back up. So it's completely different. I was never running out of mana the other build. I was just bopping around the, the, the scene. 
it's it's just really cool that different builds completely change the way you play, even in the context of the same class. So I'm having a great time with Diablo, and I'm going to keep playing it until something else comes along, which is going to be very soon, I'm sure. But, um, you know, I just realized that my flavor of this kind of thing, which is the doesn't really tax you. I, th- I think the commonality that I'm trying to highlight here is the combat doesn't really tax you in either one until it does, right? It has these flare-up moments of a boss fight or whatever where you have to actually concentrate. But for the most part, you're kind of in this zen state playing Final Fantasy 16, and you're kind of in this zen state playing uh, Diablo 4 where you're just like mowing through enemies and doing the thing and seeing the next bit of story and going to the next place and stuff. So I think that they're, they're kind of offering similar kinds of experiences. I just happen to like the other one. And I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Final Fantasy. It's just, it's too long, too much, and not my favorite flavor of ice cream. My last point about Final Fantasy 16, based off what you just said for Diablo, is, and maybe this will change that back 40% of the game or whatever, but I wish the game had difficulty settings other than action or cinema or story, however they, they parse it out, because I think the combat could support Halo's legendary or whatever, you know, right. it's like, this is how we built the combat system around this level of difficulty because I am getting all of these talismans or doodads that allow me to change this cooldown or buff this power or change this other thing or make my sword more powerful or, get a better cuff but i haven't felt a need to really dive into it or even change or invest points in buffing my powers by themselves and so i i think there's a complexity to the combat that i haven't needed to tap into yet because of the i guess only difficulty level that's not to say i've never died i have but even that is pretty forgiving where if you die in the ones i've played in a boss battle, you'll come back at a pretty reasonable checkpoint. It's not starting from the beginning and you have to, you know, crack your knuckles and it's Sekiro and you got to learn the timing of things. So I do think the complexity is there in the combat system, but the way that they've metered out the enemies doesn't make you need to go to the lab to learn it. And I think that's kind of having not played four, what Diablo is through the campaign as well. And then Diablo gives you the end game where then it says, now go learn this stuff as you long as learn. You, yeah, as long as you keep playing, they'll make the game harder. That's the that's the that's the promise of Diablo. Is like if you if you keep at it, there's more hard to come. And I think that's kind of cool, you know. Anyway, I hope I didn't infuriate too many people and um, I anticipate lots of emails, but thank you. I Please send your it. emails to greg at kindoffunny.com. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm excited. We haven't done this segment in far too long. I think we're going to carve out a little bit of... Right now. Right now. Jill, it delights me no end that you enjoy a board game from time to time and i see uh, you have uh, a few board games that you've been playing recently tell me about them yeah um so i i i looked at them and realized they're sort of a theme of like fiery 
And I'm like, it's it's warm, the summer is heating up, so maybe there is something going on. Uh, but I do want to shout out a couple of games, and a lot of the reason that I have these particular games is because I often just have me and my partner here so that we can uh, only really play two-player games, and a lot of games that I really love tend to need more than that. Uh, so uh, games that allow for two uh, two-player play, I absolutely adore, and I uh, I want to shout one out. So this is Sonora. Mm, look at that uh, visual aid. I, yes, I, I I was like I want to remember, and I affectionately call it Sunra because there is a sun right in the middle, and I didn't realize that it was supposed to be Sonora. Um, the fun thing about this game is that there's like um a physical element to it. Yeah, this is so a flick and write game, right? Yes. Yes. You you have a bunch of little little pogs to like flick across the board, and wherever they land, you get to calculate a score based off of a totally different scenario. So in one scenario, you are trying to kind of Tetris your way to collecting as many cactus types as possible and you get points based off of that in one you're trying to uh put in as many like collect a bunch of little uh, i always think of them as like little apartments but they're not apartments they're like just little caves where lizards live or something um so each section there's four different sections of the board has a very different scenario happening very different strategy uh, and you are trying to go off of like what your strategy is for the game, but also what other players are doing. And because you are flinging your your pieces and it matters where your pieces land, you can mess other people up really easily if you are trying to fling their pieces out of the way so that they you know can't do super triple bonus because they've done this one area three times and they're about to score a lot. Uh, so there's a lot of different strategy to it, and it's a lot of fun with more people because you get more chaos on the board. Um, but yeah, it's just a really fun, like, not terribly long game, maybe about an hour's worth of play, uh, that people should be checking out if you're interested in. I think it's one to four players. And it says, oh, this is on the, on the box. Isn't that nice that I have this box here? <laughs> yes. Um it says that it is 30 to 45 minutes, which, you know, is about about correct. Uh, yeah, Christian, we, I, I think we all, we played at one point years ago, we played Flick 'em Up together, right? We flick, And so this is that similar thing where you're flicking little discs, uh, but then it adds this kind of really interesting scoring thing that Joe was talking about, where you're, you know, they have all these you have four different types of scoring. So it's like a bunch of mini games almost, right? The scoring yeah. is almost like mini games. Yeah. Uh, I have not played Sonora, but I've been very curious about it. I'm glad to hear that you like it. Um, it looks, it looks, uh, it looks very fun. Yeah, hundred percent. If if you're gonna pick something up, board game wise, uh, of what I'm about to show, that that would be the one. But I do want to also shout out Happy Little Dinosaurs. <laughs> Happy Little Dinosaurs. I don't know this one. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, Happy Little Dinosaurs is a very quick. I want to say it's like thirty minutes kind of game which is why it's so nice you can just kind of uh play 
Uh, it is a card game where you are just, you've got a hand, you're putting down cards, you're trying to collect points. But the humor and the overall idea of the game is that you are a dinosaur sort of in the midst of the extinction process. <laughs> Your mid-extinction event? <laughs> yeah, so you are attempting to either help yourself by giving yourself like weapons or whatever to avoid major crises like meteors or what have you. What weapons work or against even the like, meteors? <laughs> you know, a bat with some some thorns on it. Oh, apparently fair. Helps. okay, no, obviously, yeah, um, silly me for thinking that. And even like like emotional things, like none of your friends turned up to your birthday. <laughs> I mean, is one of them keep doing a video game podcast as the world ends? Is that one of them in there? It's very possible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, yeah, so you're trying essentially to avoid collecting crisis, you know, end of the world scenarios and get points so that you can be the one dinosaur that survives the apocalypse, essentially. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it's really fun. It's a fun, quick. Uh, I love the artwork. It's all a little hand drawn. Like everybody looks so happy and cute, but like <laughs> terrible things are happening. Um, little game, and yeah, that's a happy little dinosaurs. It says smile. It's almost over. <laughs> that's <the> funny. <laughs> Clever. I did not. I've not heard of this one. Happy little dinosaurs and Sonora. Uh, since we're in the tabletop time segment, I'm gonna do a quick one. Uh, a game that I played uh, recently. Uh, it is called Spaceship Unity Season One. Uh, This is an ingenious game. It is a campaign, uh, and the idea is that they're trying to present what is basically a season of a television television series. Uh, Spaceship Unity is basically like a Star Trek-type show, Uh, and the idea is that you are this upstart ragtag group of, uh, of, of new recruits into the equivalent of Starfleet, and Spaceship Unity is the cool, like, Starship Enterprise that maybe you'll meet someday. You all want to be like them, but you're just starting out. And the thing that's brilliant, and so it's, it's you know, episodes of this thing where you're, you know, encountering alien species and trying to negotiate with them and worrying about the different uh, factions of Starfleet. It's all uh, original fiction, but very much based on the Star Trek type of universe. There's, like, you know, their own alien races and stuff, but... Yeah, kind of go like, oh, those are maybe the Klingons, whatever. Anyway, the cool thing about this game, other than the fact that it tells a story episode to episode, is that you play it in your house using your house. Oh, I love it. So I don't even want to spoil too much of it, but I'll just talk about the very early parts of the game. You establish stations around your house that are basically stations in like a, a, a starship enterprise. So there's navigation, there's engineering, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, weapon systems. There's all the different places that you can imagine being on a, on an enterprise, but it'll be like the kitchen sink or a bookshelf or a vacuum cleaner in your house. And when these things happen in this course of the story, Parts of your team, it's a cooperative game, so you're all trying to do it together. Parts of your team have to run to that part of the house and do a thing. And invariably, it is a ridiculous thing that you are all doing together at the same time 
somebody is keeping track. There's a little timer, you know, a, a little hourglass timer that comes with the game. And you have a, a short window of time to do things in. And you're all shouting at each other, doing ridiculous things, trying to get something to float in the sink or using the cord of the vacuum cleaner in some ridiculous way <laughs> or walking back and forth, balancing a pen on your finger, saying something back. You know, it's just chaos in your house, but it is tons of fun and it keeps getting wackier and wackier. And it's so clever the way they make these common household items uh, thematically consistent with what you would expect operating a starship. It's you're doing something patently ridiculous, but it kind of works. You kind of go like, Oh, I get it. Like there's one, I don't want to spoil much of this game because it's really brilliant, but there is one that, I mean, we were laughing so hard because you have you like you 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 have to translate the alien language. So there's a point where you have to like find a book in your house and just open to a random page and find a sentence and try to say it, and then somebody else has to repeat the exact sentence, only having heard it one time. And it's it's there's so much tension and it's so fun. It's such a clever game. It's not really like anything else. Spaceship Unity season one. In my house, it would be, oh, sure, kids, you take the vacuum out to play a board game, but not the vacuum. Why don't we use the object for what it's – you want to float something in a sink? How about do your dishes? How about <laughs> – I got to make that game. You're running a starship, but in yeah. reality, your kids are just doing their own laundry. I like so, it. <laughs> didn't our friend actually make that? Didn't our friend make uh... – Chore Monster? Wasn't that exactly oh, the yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Chore Monster. That's an app, though. I need, like, analog. <laughs> I, need, I need painted miniatures. So, Chris, please go make, revamp Chore yeah. Monster as a minifig game and uh, let Jeff and I bring it home and beta test it for you. <laughs> well, there you go. Some great recommendations. And that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But, Jill Grote, thank you so much for being here. It's been a delight having you. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Can you tell folks uh, where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff that you do online? Yeah. Uh, if you want to check out my work, you can go, obviously, to Um We just launched a Patreon, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash theindianformer. But if you want to follow me or the site on socials, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Finrun. That's F-I-N-R-U-I-N. Uh, or you could follow the Indie Informer at Indie underscore Informer. I love it. I, I love indie games so much, and I'm just so glad that there's a site that focuses entirely on them. I am going to be a uh, avid reader, so uh, thank you for, for heading that up. It's awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? A new episode of season two of Feeling This is coming out. People so far have dug the first two. Episode one was on scanning and scan mode in games. We talked a lot about Metroid Prime's implementation versus something like Horizon Forbidden West or Zero Dawn. This past Friday's episode was about speed, which I thought was a fascinating topic because in games there is nothing actually coming at you in the way that games can represent a sense of speed whether or not it is having things go by your player character or moving things in a screen or designing a world that gives the feeling of speed. It was an awesome conversation. So those two are already available. Episode three comes out on Friday as we continue season two. So you can go to our Patreon, any level, 
uh, patreon.com slash DLC pod to get all of season one and season two is rolling out now. And I want you to go on Twitter and unfollow everybody, but 599 people so that I can be your 600th view <laughs> for the day. I want to make sure. You- <laughs> Very important. Very important. Now, I'm going to post, I promise you, I'm not on Twitter much, but now I'm just going to post 8,000 things in rapid succession just to use your data cap. Um, because Twitter now is back at the BlackBerry days where they're paying for minutes. It's a delight. Gotta, it's a delight. Yeah. You got to use Just your watching minutes on my the, content. Watching the platform die in real time. It's a delight. <laughs> don't follow me on Twitter. But you can find, I mean, you can, that's fine. But on my website, christianspicer.com is where I don't post enough stuff also. So you can yeah. go there to not see me post regularly. Yes. Well, you can always email us here. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. We only read the first four we get after that. We're done. We've exceeded our limit. uh, We've exceeded our limit. Elon came in and just was like, you guys can't read any more emails. My favorite favorite, uh, thing I saw about that was somebody was like, I love the idea of you've read too many emails at the same time of trying to attract advertisers on your site. Not emails, excuse me, uh, tweets, whatever. Tweets, I really yeah. But like the idea of you be like, hey, advertisers, great platform to advertise on. What? Yeah, no, people can only look at 600 things and they can't look at anything else. But seriously, advertise here. Hilarious. Anyway, uh, I have other shows you can check out. I do the film cast talking about movies and TV shows. I have We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show. And I do a sports show called the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment, uh, the Fan Controlled Show. Uh, all of those available wherever you get podcasts. But I particularly want to talk about the fact that Lana and I are doing the book club. I love it. It has been so much fun. And the books that we're doing are the Malazan Books of the Fallen. Everyone should know these books. I don't know how I went so long without reading these phenomenal. They're like some of the, I might even say they're the best fantasy books I've ever read. And I'm only on, we're only on book two of 10. People say it even gets better from here. Incredible, incredible books. (laughs) The fact that no one knows about these books. No one talks about the Malazan Books of the Fallen. There's like this group of people online that know about it and have a subreddit. But it it should be a household name. People should know it as well as they know Game of Thrones. It's that good. Check that out. You can get the audio version as a patron at any level. uh, And you can see the video version if you go to my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Jill, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, speaking of uh, reading and books and the like, I have a book here called She Who Became the Sun. Very fantastic. Uh, Basically, you are a peasant uh, in China and you are dying and your brother gets uh, his fortune read and he is destined for greatness. And then he dies and you become him and your greatness is... Perhaps not assured, but maybe you're on that path. Um, I am. I love this. I love this book. It is uh, descriptive in a way that I really enjoy. It is intense in a way that I really enjoy. It is obviously a, a little bit fantastical. Um, it, it's not. It is. It is sort of historically based, but not really. 
um, but it is deeply, intensely personal and a, and a kind of exploration of the human spirit. And uh, it is female led, which I'm always a big fan of. You don't get enough of that in uh, kind of fantasy-esque books. Um, there is, I also bring this particular book up because there is a sequel coming out very soon. I believe it's late August and that's going to be He Who Drowned the World. Um, so I can't wait for it. It's on my uh, horizon. I'm very excited. So go check this out this is if you're looking for a good book. She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Great recommendation. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? All on the book train tonight. Yeah. This is another book. Natural Beauty is a novel by Ling Ling Huang, who I did not know, but went to my same college. Shout out Rice University. Ooh, ooh. And <laughs> this book is, I, I'm hesitant to call it a dark comedy because it's not funny, haha. But it's a dark comedy in the vein that I would say something like a Brett Easton Ellis novel is dark comedy. So never am I rolling on the floor laughing reading American Psycho, but the look at society and who we are and what that 80s era of mergers and acquisitions was. This book has that, but about the beauty industry in a way where it's there are passages in it that are just laugh out loud funny, but also so painful because of the realism. And it's describing this uh, holistic company that provides makeup and beauty products for people. And it, you walk into a room and don't, you can step on this floor because it's made of organic cork that provides balancing to your soul and your aura. So it's safe to walk here barefoot as you take in the musk that's just secreted from these snails that are hung. And like, as you're reading this stuff, it's very descriptive, but it's just like, Oh God, I think I've been to that store. And it starts off as this very personal novel of someone who is a pianist and an immigrant and what their experience was and her, her parents struggling to provide for her. And then it becomes this darker horror idea of not everything is what it seems, but there's this wonderful log line for it where it's at least, you know what to be afraid of. And so I love that mm. idea that it opens up this door of, of something scary and unknown, but putting it in the package of, beauty products and this idea of better health that we've all experienced and, and seen versions of. It is incredible. And it's a quick read as well. Natural Beauty, check it out at your bookstore, get it on Libby or at your local library and give it a read. There you go. Um, my parting gift, I know I already did this one, but I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't finished it yet. And now I have, and that's the bear season two. I was only halfway through when I brought it up on the show before, and now I've watched the second half of season two, which is better, in my opinion, even than the first half of season two, and it has now solidly become one of my favorite TV shows ever. Uh, I wept many times in the last few episodes. It is beautiful. It is hopeful. It is good-hearted. Uh, I was musing with my wife, who has been watching it with me, uh, today, and uh, I was saying, you know, I think this is kind of as much as I love this other show, I think this is the opposite of succession, which is the joy of succession is watching these awful people live their awful lives. 
and these sort of privileged people not knowing how to deal with all the excess that they were just born into. And the joy of, of the bear season two in particular is watching a bunch of people who weren't given anything try really hard to make something beautiful and recognize how difficult it is to make something worthwhile and to pour your heart into something. And it is so inspiring. It's just a beautiful show. So I know I brought it up already, but I couldn't help but bring it up again. The Bear, season two, it's on uh, FX, so you can watch it on Hulu, which is what I'm doing. Highest possible recommendation. With all that Dave the Diver you've been playing that just brought you back into the restaurant. Food. For that. <laughs> so it was a very big food week for me, yeah. Um, now, forgive me also for this one, but I, I, I didn't write it. I just read it. This is just sent to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from uh, Isaac C. Isaac writes, uh, here's an easy one to recommend. My wife purchased me a Jeff Kanata limerick on Cameo for Father's Day, and I couldn't have been happier with it. Jeff clearly read the notes that my wife included and made sure to take the time to say something about each one of them. In addition to the, to the bespoke limerick he wrote, he spoke directly to us, shared some relevant anecdotes, and overall put passion and care into the video. It was well worth the price of admission to receive a personalized message from one of my favorite creators. And I cannot recommend your very own limerick highly enough. Thank you, Jeff, for making our lives a little brighter. Thank you, Isaac, for writing that in. I wasn't sure if I should even say it on the show, but hey, I never bring up the fact that I'm on Cameo selling limericks and there's over 120 five-star reviews there of people who've had wonderful experiences getting limericks from me. I do limericks on my other show, so that's why. Um, but you can do it. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata is where you find it. And thank you, Isaac, for forcing me to bring it up on this show, which I never do. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jill Grote and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those great bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, which is White Cube, Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks especially to our patrons who make this show possible without whom we would not be here uh, at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Thank you all for supporting us. And especially a big thank you to our top tier patrons, our hype train patrons who get their names read out at the end of every episode, which I'm going to do right now. Now it is time to thank people like Jason Novak Octavian Ratsiu, Taylor Wiggard, Christian Bravery, Jad, Josh Peak, Nick Strauss Klein, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, and Michael Stadler, Jackson. And Spiceman Forever Schlepfer Stugas Nate 
Kevin Brazel, and Jenny, Scott Hughes, and Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jimmy Radcliffe, Jonathan Putney, and Mitchell Ness. With one L, there is Jeff Luxack and Matt Bradley, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Victor Valenzuela, Scooby Diesel, and Cheesy Bob. Denby and Hank Patton, Sasan and Rob Rickman, Dan Flanagan, Riley Knox, Anthony Gulas, and Kyle Starr, Andy Joyce, Michael S., Matt Valdez. Relentless Rex and John Cisco. Curtis from Louisville. Comedian Aaron Trahan. David Epp. Shore Yukin. Hyperboy 66. Scott Lambert. Brian Jordan, Joe DeFrank, Kevin Ede, Stephen T. Seifert, Rob Wonder, Rob Dominguez, Tyler Buckwild Broad, Dwayne T. Robinson. These are the people we need to thank. These are the hype train patrons. They make this show possible with their extreme amount of generosity. 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 So much generosity. That's it for this episode. See you next time. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.